Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Happy Wednesday. I want to start off today's podcast by sharing that it works. You're probably wondering what works. Um, so I want to share with you some amazing wins that I have had lately from emails and social media marketing. And I just want to say all this because I want to give you a little extra spring in your step and encouragement and help you to realize that when we are using social media and emails and things like that to cultivate relationships and use these platforms to connect with other people, it can result in some really, really big wins. So first of all, because of my social media formula, F-O-U-R, um, that I shared in my podcast a couple of weeks ago, and then a subsequent email I sent out along with it, I got this amazing content strategy with two financial planners last week. They had so much fun. I had so much fun. And um, they really walked away like inspired and I think truly believing that they could do this. And I walked away wondering how the heck my job could be so much fun and such a blast. Um, so that was win number one. And that was from email marketing. Secondly, when I was in San Diego back in March for the social media marketing conference that I attended, I heard from the stage this amazing woman whose name is Stacy Tushel. And I fell in love with her for her knowledge of how she can help some of my product oriented and retail clients. And I started to listen to her foot traffic formula podcast. Well, on her show, I heard today's guest, Megan Sumrall, who is a time management and productivity coach, and I reached out to Megan on Instagram, and voila, she agreed. And then once she agreed to be on my show, I thought to myself, oh crap, I don't even really know where to start and what questions to ask in regards to what people are feeling and struggling when it comes to organization. Like, I know what I am struggling with. I am, like I say in the podcast, one of the more organized people I know, but I'm still really, really far from where I want to be. And I'm, I'm definitely not totally feeling at ease about my systems right now. So I used email marketing yet again to ask you listeners for your questions. And today I really want to say a big thank you to Jessica Principe from the All Girl Shave Club, Gail Craft, Sylvie Kurtz, who's an author, Carol Pelusiak, who is on my teacher's podcast, Catherine Mallette, who is my mom and works for Wells Fargo, Andrea Omerod, who's a virtual assistant, Kate Wideman, who is a bookkeeper, and Lisa Norman, who is a publisher for today's show questions, because today is entirely listener questions and one which I couldn't just help but ask for myself. I just needed to know whether or not multitasking is a real thing because in my head it is. Um, but anyway, so this is an entirely listener question generated episode. And in the episode, we talk about doing a time audit to identify time vacuums and vortexes in your life. 
We talk about creating a weekly plan. We talk about turning off the notifications on your phone and what Megan recommends as apps for organization and and tools for organization. We also talk about her upcoming top bootcamp on August 17th, which I signed up for, and a whole bunch of the She Built This members are doing it also. So we've got like team She Built This in there, and it's going to be super fun. Um, I think you all are really, really going to love today's guest. And I would recommend getting a pen and paper out seriously, unless you're driving, of course, then maybe use like the voice memo app on your phone, because this episode is really jam packed full of helpful and really juicy information. Megan just gave and gave and gave. It was awesome. Megan Summerall is a former corporate techie turned entrepreneur. She's a business owner, mom, and wife, and she knows how hard it is to juggle, she says, hashtag all the things, while still managing your own sense of self and purpose. And as a time management and productivity coach, she teaches specific strategies to help others get on top of their time, their calendar, and their goals while getting rid of stress, overwhelm, and exhaustion. Does that not sound lovely to you? I agree. It sounds lovely. She is the creator of the top program, a program that teaches her proprietary system and processes regarding time management, organization, and productivity for female entrepreneurs. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Megan. Hi, Megan, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. I am so excited for you to be here. Oh, thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this. Me too. So as we know, things are like crazy up in the air for so many moms right now. And I, my heart goes out to all my mompreneur friends who are trying to juggle their businesses and um, deal with all this uncertainty that is in the air and still entertain their kids during the summer and help them to have some sort of semblance of fun. How are you doing right now with all of this? <laughs> you know, it- Ask me every 30 seconds and I probably have a different response. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's been an emotional roller coaster ride for, for all of us, for sure. Um, I will say as every week goes by, it, it gets better just because, you know, I'm constantly testing, trying, tweaking, implementing something different, learning and adjusting. So, you know, when all this first broke out in March, the first two weeks were definitely a uh, bit of a disaster area over here. But I am thankful to say that, you know, I've been working really hard at learning from others, implementing things I've learned, and really trying to, you know, realize this is going to be the new normal for a while. So instead of just waiting for it to end, you know, jumping into action and saying, what, what can I do to still try and keep all the balls juggled? Yeah, we really need to treat it as a marathon more than a sprint. And I think to your point, like some of the gifts that are coming out of it is like is if we can be resilient and organized and strong and productive through this, I feel like we can weather a whole lot of other big storms. A hundred percent. Yes. Um, so to start off, why don't you kind of introduce us to how you got into um the expertise area of organization, time management, productivity systems. Absolutely. So it's it's funny. It kind of organically happened. I didn't one day say, I am going to go do this. <laughs> so my background is actually in software. I was in the software space for over 20 years, um, working in a role that's called a, a software quality architect where basically my job was to go into large-scale software organizations 
and develop systems and processes for them to be able to build their end products faster, better, cheaper. Um, So I've always, without realizing it, been in that space of being able to look at the big picture, understand what is the end result, and then break it down and really try and optimize and create systems and processes to just make things run more efficiently while still maintaining a high level of quality. Uh, And when my daughter was about three, I was still working full time. I just realized I I was lacking the time freedom I really, really wanted. I loved my job, loved the work, great company, but it just didn't afford me that flexibility that I wanted as a mom. And so that's when I kind of took a leap of faith um, and dipped my toe in the world of entrepreneurship, started with a network marketing company, actually, and found that the systems and processes I was creating there were allowing me to do things in a much more efficient manner. So I started helping so many other moms that I knew, you know, assess how they were organizing their time, how they were structuring their days. And next thing I knew, I was asked to train a group, um, a local group here in North Carolina several years ago. And out of that, that's when I realized this was something so many people needed help with. And so I completely left corporate at that point and and went all in on creating these programs to help so many other women like myself that are just, you know, feeling like you're barely keeping afloat. Yeah. Like there's so many apps out there that people recommend and daytimers and anyway, what is your starting point with someone? Like when you sit down with somebody, what do you do to kind of help them clear the decks? Well, the very first thing I do, it usually shocks people. They're like, you want me to do what? (laughs) Um, But I have everybody start with conducting a one week time audit. And what that entails is, and usually I have a little little worksheet that I'll give them, but I mean, anyone can do this. Just grab a piece of paper and you want to do this over the course of a typical week. So if you're heading on vacation for a week, that's not the week to do your time audit. But over the course of every day for an entire week, you're, you're writing down how you're spending your time. Think of it similar if you've ever done like a food blog or something. Um, you know, it doesn't need to get as granular as I went to the bathroom. Um, but every hour, at least, you should be capturing how was that time spent. And usually by the end of a week of somebody conducting a time audit, it is such an eye opener for them to see either how much context switching they're doing all day long. And by that, I mean, you know, you're in mom mode. Now you're working. Now you're trying to do something for your spouse. Now you're you know, answering the phone for a volunteer position, maybe at your local community center. Then your kids need you. It's just ping pong all day long. Or at the end of the day, they look back and they're like, I honestly don't know even what I did from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m., but I was really, really busy. And so starting with that time audit gives such a clear picture and such an eye-opener place to start to say, okay, now we know where the struggles are. Now we see where there are a ton of inefficiencies and how your day is being run. Now we can talk about how to restructure that. I 
I love that. And I actually did that one time and I did get as granular as I went to the bathroom or, you know, (laughs) took two minutes to look on Facebook or whatever. And it was eye opening. So I think that is a great starting point. Now, I will admit, I didn't really do anything with that data. Um, And I I do switch contexts quite often. So what's the next step? Like how from that do you set priorities and kind of like uh, assess what is important within those things that you just listed out? Yeah, so there's actually two, there's kind of two different questions in there. So one is kind of what's next. Now the prioritizing, that's a whole second area. <laughs> and I actually have an entire masterclass that that I work through with people on priorities, but I'll, I'll touch on some of the highlights there. First with the kind of what do we do once we see that maybe we are doing that context switching way too much. Um, the One of the, the key principles that I coach on is the importance of creating a weekly plan every single week. And by creating a weekly plan, I don't mean wake up in the morning and then go, what am I doing today? You need to wake up every day with an intentional plan in place, knowing that things happen and things can get derailed. But if you don't at least start from a place of planning, you will end up being in reaction mode all day long instead of being proactive. So by that, I mean, if you don't have, you know, a set structure, like I knew today, okay, when I'm looking at my calendar, because we're still on summer break, you know, I knew I was going to have this time with you in the morning. So I made sure I knew what time I was getting up and what were the three key things that I had to get done before this interview, because as soon as this interview is over, I have to go shift gears and be full-time mom for the rest of the day. Now, if I hadn't intentionally recognized that with my weekly plan, how I spent my last three hours this morning would have looked very different because I would have been responding to the text that came in, the email that dinged, the you know the phone call that happened. So instead, I was very proactive with how I spent my time this morning to ensure the most important things were done. And now the rest of my day, I can leave open to being more in that reactive state to handling the things that are popping up then. So I think for, well, I know that when people take the time to lay out a weekly plan at the start of the week, and a plan is not just a task list, but it actually is saying, what times am I going to be focused on completing specific activities? That is what starts to reduce that context switching so much. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I kind of want to dive into two things, and you can answer them separately. But let's, so what do we do to kind of eliminate, some people are very drawn into those shiny objects and those distractions, like the emails and the text messages and the Slack messages. How do we kind of avoid being distracted by those? But then a second part of this question, what happens when actually something does come up and like veers you off of the plan? Do you kind of let that like ripple effect the rest of your plan? So Yeah, explain that phenomena a little bit. Okay, so first let's talk about the distractions because, I mean, we live in a world that it's, everything is instant, right? You know, I mean, everything makes a noise, everything buzzes. I mean, I can click a button on Amazon and have a book on my doorstep in an hour. (laughs) You know, it's just we're, we're used to right now, fast, instant. And the best thing is kind of a two part process that everybody should do is to go into your computers, your tablets, 
your your laptops, your everything, and turn off absolutely every single push notification on your devices. That way, nothing is binging at you or popping up visually in front of you every 30 seconds. It sounds so scary to do. I'm like, can I take that leap? (laughs) But then the second part of it is to create specific times in your day where you sit down and actually handle your text, your email, your Facebook messenger, your Slack, whatever apps that maybe you are using that people are, you know, coming at you. Uh, and when I first made this shift, I would go in and check it four times a day because I felt very nervous about that. I now check it some days of the week. It's only one day. Other days of the week, it's twice a day. And that's it. So I have a very set process for how I process my email every day. Um, like right now, I don't even know how many emails are in my inbox, but this morning I processed it down to zero. I do that every morning. It only takes about 15 minutes. Um, my text, my Facebook messenger, uh, Voxer, all of that, nothing is on. But I know that later this afternoon, I will sit back down and process all of those again. And I will say when I first shifted to that, like you said, it felt very scary. It's like, well, what if, you know, but what if a client needs something? What if this over here? I'm not in the process of, you know, I don't have a job where I'm literally saving lives. Yes, I'm helping people. But if if I respond two hours later, nobody's going to die from that. And I think it's really important for us to recognize, you know, now if, if you're a surgeon on call with a pager, that's another story. By all means, keep your notifications on. But for the rest of us, there really isn't anything so urgent. And with our cell phones, there are so many settings that I do have, like if my if my parent or my spouse calls, my phone will ring because I do want to know if they're calling me. But for everybody else, it doesn't. And I'll see it later and I'll respond at the set times of the day. So that way I am not, you know, constantly feeling tied and connected to technology and checking it every 10 minutes. And I think most people are not only super understanding of that, but they want you to do that. Like if somebody takes two days to get back to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. It took so long. I'm like, no, I don't care. I want you to take your time and live your life. You know, I don't want you to be sitting there answering my emails all day. Um, And I would say to the listeners that if there is somebody in your life, like a client that is making you feel that every single thing is urgent because either they're waiting until last minute or they're just pushing that on you, it might be time to find a new client. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, as a as an entrepreneur, that is the hardest part, right? Especially when you're you're just starting your business. Because we all want to over deliver. I do too. And I'll be honest, you know, when I was first having um first launching some of my group coaching programs, I didn't want anyone to have to wait more. I was, you know, I wanted to res- be hyper responsive because I wanted to provide great customer service and I wanted them to, you know, get the most out of the programs. And I think we all fall into that trap, but the problem was I was then setting those expectations with all of my clients that I was available 24/7. And what I found was when I finally realized this is not sustainable, I am now very clear with my clients on this is how 
you know, this is how you reach me. Here are the avenues where you can submit questions. And here is when you can expect to hear back from me. And when you set those boundaries up front with your clients, then they're complete. I haven't had anybody kick back on that because I'm telling them, yeah, I will. I will respond. I will make sure you get all your questions answered. But here is how we do that. And so by letting them know, now they realize, oh, okay, great. Here's a process I can follow. And then they're not expecting for me to respond in 30 seconds. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about um, apps versus paper. I'm sure you have learned that different personality styles, everybody organizes and operates in a different way. I easily fall into, and one of our listeners wrote me that she does too, this thing called the app trap where we're being pushed with all of this technology, like try same page, try Asana, try Trello, try this, try this, try this. What do we do with all of that stuff? Because I find myself with just papers and papers everywhere. And when I really find my system, it's like back in Google Docs. And then I feel guilty about that. (laughs) It is. And I mean, again, it's shiny object syndrome, right? Like, oh, well, so-and-so or so-and-so is using it. Therefore, I must use it. I get people all the time telling me, Megan, you got to be on Evernote. Evernote doesn't work for me. And that's okay but it works for other people. So when it comes to apps and paper, even though I'm a technologist at heart, um, I am I still use a paper planner. I actually designed my own planner because I'm so passionate about paper planners. <laughs> um, and the reason being, I, here's what I always tell people, whether you want to go paperless or not, really depends on your lifestyle. So for me, I am not... Um, you know, sitting in front of a large computer screen all day long, like I did when I was in corporate. And so if I, and I juggle a very full calendar, you cannot manage a calendar from an iPhone screen because you can't see enough information to make smart choices and smart priorities. So for me, I really stress the importance of a paper planner because you have to be able to see your week at a view and your month at a view. Now, if I sat in front of a computer all day and could pull up my big screen Google Calendar, I might not need a paper calendar, but I don't. And most, you know, most mompreneurs in particular, we're not at at a a big screen (laughs) for for the vast majority of our days. We're bouncing around all over the place. So from a planning perspective and managing my day-to-day and monthly calendar, I'm a huge fan of, and it needs to be at a a week at a view day planner. Now for all of my tasks and everything else, I personally love Trello because I can use it from my computer and I can use it from my phone. Um, So if I'm, I never think of the things when I'm sitting at my desk, right? We always think of them when we're standing in line at Target or waiting at the, you know, school drop-off or whatever. I can easily open up Trello from my phone and add tasks to kind of my task backlog. And that way I have one central repository for all those ideas that pop up in my head. But my weekly planning process, I pull up Trello, and then what I'm doing for the week goes into my actual paper planner. So for people, I would say when you're looking at apps or paper, the key things that you want to make sure of is first, you have one central place 
for all of your task list, whether it's personal business, home, whatever, you need to have one central repository. Maybe it's a Google Doc, maybe it's a physical piece of paper, maybe it's Trello, maybe it's the notes app on your phone. Whatever it is, you need to have just one place. And then when it comes to planners and planner systems, the biggest failure I see there is that everybody's looking for a a silver bullet, meaning they want their day planner to be their journal, their goal tracker, their day planner, their task backlog, like, and everybody's trying to advertise these day planners that are everything all in one. It shouldn't be. Your day planner should strictly be your day planner, and then you should have a completely separate journal. That is super helpful. I want to hear how you, through this pandemic and as you're kind of launching into the fall, what are some of your big, what what advice are you giving right now to working moms that are really feeling the struggle from last year and now are working to navigate these new times? Yeah, great question. And it's, you know, it's ever changing as well. Um, I know for me, Earlier in the summer, my daughter's school said, hey, we're going to start, you know, two weeks early so we can plan for more downtime during the year. And then two weeks before school is supposed to start, they said, just kidding, we're starting a month late. <laughs> so, you know, it's it, it's don't blink because something, you know, you're going to put a plan in place and it's going to change. Um, I will say that the the tools that I finally put in place and the systems that I was that I put in place at the end of the last school year that that worked the best for myself and what I'm seeing a lot of other families, particularly if your kids are you know, on the younger side where they're not going to be completely independent with school. Uh, my daughter just finished fourth grade. So I know with some families where they've got kids who are juniors, seniors in high school where they really can you know, take care of themselves virtually, it might look a little different. When you've got the younger kids, the, the Biggest tip that I'm giving everyone, and yes, it's hard, but we're all having to make sacrifices right now, is you need to decide, are you a morning person or are you an evening person? Like where, I am not a night owl, but I have many clients that are. Like as soon as the dinner hour hits, I'm I'm pretty much useless <laughs> in terms of being able to be productive and do meaningful things for my business and my work. So I know I'm a morning person. I'm hyper productive. I'm very focused. I'm very clear. And so during the virtual homeschool year, that meant that I was getting up even earlier than before. So I was getting up between 4.45 and 5 in the morning. I usually get up around 5.30. Um, and so when my daughter's back in school, if we're virtual, I will be getting up at 5 a.m. again because that window of time in the morning from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m., if you practice all those techniques of turning off all your distractions, um, you know, not being reactive and treating that window as your quiet opportunity to focus on the most important thing that helps you with work or your business you will find that you are able to, to achieve far more than what you realized. And so for me, I would always, always shifting the most important thing to do very first thing in the morning while the house is quiet at 5 a.m. For other people, that might be once your kids are in bed, if you really jam at night. 
The second big shift is the importance of communicating visually with the whole family what the schedule of the day is. And so, yeah, we got into a routine with the, um, you know, the end of school last year. Normally I'm someone, you know, that really works from a weekly, monthly plan perspective. Things were so up in the air. We were reviewing a daily plan as a family because it was so ever-changing. So every evening over dinner, um, I just created a quick kind of one page that we'd put on the refrigerator that, you know, just showed up a list of times for the day, starting, you know, from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Um, I created a little worksheet and we would sit down over dinner. Uh, my husband, my daughter and I, and as a family say, okay, let's review the schedule for tomorrow. And so it kind of, we shifted into, we tried a bunch of different things to see what would work well for my daughter and her learning style. And it, what ended up working well for us were kind of three chunks of learning time per day. So when she would get up in the morning, we would do, uh, you know, kind of a, a teaching session together. I had to do the, the majority of the teaching because online learning was not working well for her. So we would have our learning session together. Then she would have her worksheets. And while she was doing her worksheets, I could go have 30 minutes of time to work on something that I needed to. And then we'd take kind of a quick outdoor break. And we would go through three cycles of that per day, but they were clearly outlined on the daily calendar. And on the daily calendar, it included any important times that I needed for, for work calls. Uh, my husband really has a, a very strict work time that is not flexible. Um, but we shifted a PE time into the end of the day where he could, you know, try and wrap up by 4.30 so that he and my daughter could have 45 minutes of PE every afternoon. But the important part was that it was all written down, color-coded on the refrigerator. And the night before, during dinner, we'd talk through it as a family We'd agree to what the next day looked like. We'd write it out together and then we'd stick it up on the refrigerator. This is so good. I don't even have kids and I feel like my husband and I need this visual thing because I will tell him, you know, oh, just in passing, like, oh, I have this thing tonight. And then like by dinner, he's like, hey, you want to watch, you know, whatever show? And I'm like, no, don't you remember? I told you that I have this thing no. tonight. Um, we need a visual system. That would be really good. And I have a yeah, and I've always I've always used uh, before the pandemic. I had this weekly post-it note that I loved that would go up on the the family fridge, and it would just have for the upcoming week. Like oh, I would only put on there anything that affected you know more than one member of our family. So if it was like, hey, we have a you know a, a computer class on this day, or hey, mom's teaching this you know Wednesday night, so I'm I'm not available. So it'd be very little on there. But when we were in virtual learning, and I will go back to it again if my daughter's school goes virtual, it was a detailed daily calendar, uh, which again, it's more communication than I've ever had to do before. But without it, it felt like we were all flailing uh, a little bit every day. And, and we all found ourselves falling into that state of reaction where whatever was, you know, the squeaky wheel syndrome, we were jumping in and addressing things that were right in front of our face, but the important stuff wasn't getting done. I have a client right now who's doing that 5 a.m. Um, work marathon, let's call it, and it's really going really well for her. For me, I that is not my time. I would probably push it off until 8 o'clock at night. Not that I'm a night person, but I just – you know, so it you, it really is about finding what works for you when your body is feeling the most creative and energetic and productive. 
Yeah. And if you've got young kids at home, you know, do I, do I love waking up? At, I mean, I'm a morning person, but do I love an alarm going off at five? No, I wish it would, <laughs> I wish it could be a little bit later, but my work is important and I enjoy it and I want to prioritize it. So that's, that's the sacrifice I'm making in order to, you know, keep, keep everything moving that I need to. Another shift that my husband and I made that I've helped a lot of other families with that has worked well is what our weekends look like. So since, you know, his work is, is very structured Monday through Friday, he really does have downtime on the weekend. The weekend then is a great opportunity for me to catch up, but I also wanted family time. So I, I, I give myself a couple hours Saturday morning early, um, but I do sleep in uh, where I can do all of my content planning for the week. And then Saturday is is no work day. But then on Sundays, because we have Saturday together as a family, Sundays is we are learning as a family to treat that as if I'm now in a nine to five corporate job. And so Sunday is my day where now I get to really dive in and do what I need to do for work. And my husband is the point person for family. Wow. That's awesome. And it must feel really good for you in a way to get that time on Sunday, just to kind of put in a full day. It does. And, you know, and it ebbs and flows. It's not like I, I sit in my office for 10 straight hours. I will kind of pop in and out and, you know, I'll be perfectly transparent to all the all the other moms and wives out there. Was this a smooth transition and was it met with open arms? No, <laughs> absolutely not. But, uh, you know, this is where I think it's just important to say, this is really important to me. And this is what I need in order to to keep the wheels in motion. And so I just, I like to be honest that no, it's not all rainbows and unicorns over here as we work through this, but I continue to calmly, patiently, uh, well, I'm trying to look for a, a good word to use, but I hate to say demand, but just ensure that you know, the time that I need for the things that are important to me are respected and valued by the rest of the family. Yeah. I mean, you're growing a business and you're also growing a family and both of those things take sacrifices and time and commitment. So yeah. Um. All right. Is this is like a burning question for me personally. Do you believe that there is such a thing as effective multitasking? Actually, yes. Ooh, good. (laughs) I cannot wait to hear this. (laughs) But I think the key there is understanding the difference of multitasking versus that context switching that I was talking about before. So context switching, like if you think about all of the roles that you play in life, like maybe you're a mom, you're a business owner, you're a wife, maybe a you know an aunt, an uncle, a volunteer, a, a coach. Think about all those roles that you play that all have their own lists of things that need to get done that require you to be in a certain kind of frame of mind. Like how I how I am, how I show up in mom mode is very different than when I show up as business owner. If you are trying to wear two of those hats at the same time, or you're swapping your hats back and forth every five minutes, that's what I refer to as context switching. And there absolutely is no effective way to do that. That will diminish your productivity. Um, The amount of time it takes for you to adjust and shift from one role to the other 
is a huge time suck. And so this is where I really work with my clients to say the number one thing that we want to do is minimize your context switching throughout the day. Now, multitasking in just the traditional sense of you're doing more, more than one thing at a time, I am all for it if you're in one hat or not doing two activities that require serious focus. So for instance, when I am cleaning house, folding laundry, scrubbing toilets, that's when I am listening to personal development training. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to audible books. So my brain, I don't need a lot of brain power to scrub a toilet so I can focus on what I'm learning, what I'm hearing while I'm getting some low level mindless tasks done. And so in that space, I love to find ways that I can really effectively multitask and but only when it's one task that requires brain power and the other one really doesn't. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, it's funny, I, I asked the question because I often do feel like I'm good at it. But when when I tell my husband that, he'll say, you're terrible at multitasking. But I think it's because it's when I'm trying to give my full attention to him as well as do a task. And those two yeah. things don't work because they're both they both take mental power. So like you said, scrubbing a toilet and listening to a podcast is productive multitasking or walking and listening to a podcast. Yep. We pretty much all know how to walk by now. <laughs> so we don't need to think about it too much. No. And like even the other night I was uh, cooking dinner. I, my husband usually cooks dinner because he actually likes to cook. But whenever we get those meal prep boxes, which I do a lot, I, I enjoy doing those. And so he came in and he's talking to me, but I was reading the recipe and by default, I'm responding to him going, uh-huh, uh-huh, as I'm focused on the recipe. And all of a sudden, I put it down. I turn around. I said, I didn't hear a word you just said. Because I was reading a recipe that I needed to focus on, but then was trying to act like I was listening to him. But in reality, I wasn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do either. I was like, that's a, a great example of where we usually try and multitask, but I, I, I couldn't because they both needed my full attention. Yeah, this exact thing happened to me last night. He said, why don't we just get a beach towel for the dog instead of putting a blanket down? And I was like trying to like seriously respond to a very in-depth emotional conversation from someone. And I started walking in the direction of, you know, whatever, <laughs> not not the direction of the beach towels. And he's like, did you hear what I said? And I was like, uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> so yeah. Or and how many times do you all of a sudden walk upstairs and walk into a room and then you stand there and you're like, yes, what, what, why did I just come up here? And so many mom friends I know are like, oh, mom brain. And I'm like, no, it's not quote mom brain. It's that you were, your brain was processing 15 things at once 30 seconds ago. One of them flashed by telling you to go upstairs and get that thing. And by the time you walked up there, you'd process 14 more other things. That's why you forgot. <laughs> and and you know what? To your point earlier, part of that comes from turning off those notifications on your phone, mm -hmm. not making yourself available 24-7 for your email, text, you know, every single thing. Exactly. Um, all right. I, we have time for one more question. So I want to talk to one that a couple people asked and they talk, I'm sure you have clients that do it too. They talk about being procrastinators and what mm. kinds of techniques you offer to help people that do procrastinate or push things off to the bottom of their to-do list. 
That is, oh, this is such a powerful topic. Um, and I hear a lot of people will, you know, say, oh, I'm a procrastinator. If you are someone that you find, and this is funny because I used to call myself a procrastinator all the time and people were stunned because they're like, Megan, you are you know, massively productive. What do you mean you're a procrastinator? And so we really started digging into it. I would say nine times out of 10, when I'm talking with someone who says that they're a procrastinator, we dig into and say, okay, what is it you're procrastinating on? What specifically are the things that you're saying you're just not getting done. And so they'll list it out. One one client recently just had these big, she really wanted to do kind of some home reorganization. And she's like, I just keep procrastinating. I'm just not getting started. I'm just not getting started. And so I started digging in with her on saying, why is this important to you? Like, why is this thing even on your list to begin with? And she got very quiet. <laughs> and and I, you know, so I, we waited out the silence and all of a sudden she's like, well, everyone keeps saying that I need to get this more organized because I have too much clutter. So I said, all right, did you hear what you just said? You said this was on your list because everyone else has told you that this needs to be done. I said, do you have any connection to this task? Are you at all motivated to get it done? Do you have any sense or purpose on how it's going to make you feel? And she's like, I honestly know it doesn't bother me. And that's such a, a clear example. But I think subtly this happens so much to us in our lives. The things that we aren't doing that we claim we're procrastinating on are things that we have have been shoulded to us. That other people or a, a commercial we saw or a TV show we saw or expectations that we allow others to put on us puts things on our to-do list that we actually don't have any real passion or purpose or motivation for. And so I always love to dig in with that to people and say, okay, if there's something that's been on your list for a long time that you feel like you're procrastinating and not doing, I really want you to dig into what is the reason why that's on your list? Because usually when you have a deep-seated why you know, on, on the flip side, if someone else was having that home reorganization conversation, it may be that they say, okay, here's all the reasons why I want to have this done. You know, I know I'll feel better. We'll have better health. You know, I, I'm so emotionally motivated to do it. Maybe they're not getting started because they're not sure where to start. That's kind of the second reason. So it's usually either you don't have an emotional connection to it. And so it probably doesn't even belong on your list in the first place. Or it's such a big task that you need some help figuring out how to break it down into bite-sized chunks. Yep. I love that. And and I would say the same for someone's goals too. You know, if there's a goal that's been sitting on your list f- since the beginning of the year that you you just don't get done. Um, you need to really look at why that goal is on your list. I think that happened to me last year where I had all of these goals on my list that were just goals I watched other people doing. And yeah. so I was like, oh, that needs to be on my list too. But when I got to the end of the year, I'm like, how come I didn't do any of these things? And it was because they really didn't matter to me. They just weren't, they weren't important. Yeah. And I give yourself the permission to take it off. Like I have my, I have my backlog, 
which I mean, it's got over a hundred things on it. Same thing. I see something. I'm like, oh, that looks like a great idea. Oh, I want to do that. I throw it on my backlog, but my backlog doesn't necessarily mean it's ever going to get on my to-do list. And so every month as part of my monthly planning, I revisit that backlog and sometimes things are there for six, seven, eight months before they actually get pulled into action because they just aren't the most important thing on my list. Or sometimes after six or seven months or longer, I all of a sudden look at it and go, I don't, I don't really ever want to do that anymore. And so now I just delete it, move on. Yeah, that's really good advice. You gave us so much, like so much good advice, so many techniques and really, really tangible tips that we can use. Tell us now if somebody is motivated to get some of this organization in their life and work with you on some of their systems and processes, how can they find you? I would say the best the best thing that I can offer, especially because it's completely free, is my top boot camp. And I hold a boot camp about every five to six weeks. It is a week long. It's 30 minutes of very pragmatic training every single day where I teach in there what I call my productivity pyramid, where we talk through how to marry your, your task list and your schedule and apply structure to it. And so we, we deep dive into how to, like, what should a task list look like? We talk a lot about that context switching and how to apply structure there. I give a lot of tips on, you know, really leveraging this when you've got small kids at home uh, and anybody can go and sign up for this at any time. You just go to my website of megansumrell.com forward slash top bootcamp. And if there's one upcoming in the next few weeks, you'll be able to just join right there or else it will let you know, hey, I've got you on the wait list and we'll let you know when the next boot camp launches. Um, at the time we're recording this, the next one kicks off August 17th and then there will be you know, two more this year as well. And so the, the folks that have been through that boot camp, everybody leaves kind of with a, a new sense of purpose on how to get some really good structure and processes in place. Awesome. Okay. So when this comes out, it will have five days for everyone to get in on that boot camp, which is exciting because I know that a lot of people that wrote these questions are going to want to join that. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And this has been really eye-opening, insightful. I actually took lots of notes. So hopefully didn't people didn't hear my pen scratching along. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but this was fantastic. Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed that interview as much as I did. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. Um, and I'm going to put the link for Megan's bootcamp in the show notes. I hope you'll do it along with me. It starts on August 17th. And if you liked this episode and you got a lot out of it, please take a couple of seconds or even a minute perhaps out of your busy day and write me a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps me to keep my podcast where it needs to be and get more awesome guests like Megan on the show to help you. So like I said last time, you helping me is me helping you. And you are also helping me to build this. So thank you and I will talk to you next week. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.